Hey there, all you ghouls and goblins. Radio 85.9 proudly presents Horror Zoid with your hosts, Stevie Scares and Natalie Nightmare, talking all things horror from the 80s, 90s, and today. Today's episode is brought to you by Reaper Records. Music so good, you'll want to dance till you're dead. Reaper Records. Pump up the motherfucking volume. It's time for another episode of Horrorzoid, everybody. I'm Stevie Scares. And I'm Natalie Nightmare. This is going to be a really fun episode. I know I say that every week, but <laughs> I mean it every week. I think we always have fun. We have a good yeah. time, and hopefully you guys have a good time. But after last week's episode, we ended uh, our decade of horror in the mm-hmm. 2000s talking about the awesome fucking music mm-hmm. in horror movies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. One of one of my favorite discussions that we've had, and it got our gears turning, <laughs> let's just talk about more music and horror movies. I don't yeah. hear enough people talk about music and horror and the connection, because to me, it's like it, they're hand in hand. Absolutely. They complete it. Right. They are, they're soulmates. Like, mm-hmm. horror isn't horror without good music. Exactly. Not that you, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's great movies out there that feature little to no music. We talk mm-hmm. about some of our favorite jump scares mm-hmm. are the ones without music. Yeah. But also there's some really good ones where they do have a good sound cue or music mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. all hinges on stuff like good composition, yeah. you know, a good composer, it, good instrumentals going on yeah. in the the vicinity of the song. I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, I'm with you. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, we're kind of, we're going to walk through it all, but uh, basically what Stevie is saying is the scene in Hereditary when she's like floating up into the treehouse, wouldn't it be the same with like clown car music? Exactly. So, you know, you get it. And we'll get to more of that, what makes music and horror go so well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do that, let's get a, our housekeeping shit out of the way. You get know, the fuck out of here. Yeah, we're, you know, we're not going to bore you guys too much <laughs> with it. Usual stuff, though. Leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, preferably yes. a five-star review. Please, please, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We Those help us so much, and... Uh, I mean, if you really fucking hate us and you have to leave a one-star review, that's, I mean, it is what it is. Fair is fair. Um, you know, we're always saying you can praise us or hate us, but yes, those reviews, especially if it's a four or five-star review or whatever fucking rating, I guess they are anymore, definitely helps us grow our audience, grow the Zoid army, and get this cool, fun shit to more people. Yeah, the more you help us out, the longer we get to do this, so if yeah. you're enjoying the show... Uh, yeah, you can really help us out by leaving us a review. Again, preferably five stars. But be honest. If mm-hmm. you think we suck, let us know. That's yeah. how we improve. Mm-hmm. Speaking of telling us we suck, don't forget you can email <laughs> us at horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to send us. Preferably what we really want, what I'm waiting for, is a good scary story. Me too. I want a good scary story in our inbox. I want to open that fucking Gmail inbox with all of its stupid Google colors And I want to open it up and I want to see somebody like, this scared the shit out of me. Yes, I want those. Right. Send those our way. Horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. Anchor changed a few things. So normally we say leave us a voice message. But honestly, I got to look into what they changed because I I don't think you can do it the same way you used Uh to. I don't think it's going to be a link in the description anymore. But there is a link in the description for financially contributing to the podcast. We've talked about it. We do plan on opening up a Patreon this year with some cool shit, mm-hmm. cool ideas. Send us some ideas to horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. But in the link in this description, you can financially contribute to the podcast through Anchor. Send us a few dimes. Send us a dollar. Send us a million. You know, <laughs> We're always asking for it every week. 
Yeah. Nobody's nobody sent us a no million yet. Uh, obviously, yeah. We're still sitting in our our two bedroom apartment, going, "Hello, where's our million? Where is that million? <laughs> We're waiting for it. For everything else, go to Horizoid Pod at not Horizoid Pod. Go to Horizoid.com. <laughs> we actually got the rights to Horizoid.com. Yeah. So go there. Yeah. Go Horizoid.com. You can find all our social media links. You can find all the links to listen to the podcast. So if you get pissed off with one of these podcast places, you know. Mm-hmm. One of these crazy shit like Podbean or whatever. No diss to Podbean, but (laughs) Podbean pisses you off. Go to our Horrorzoid.com website. All the links are up there. You can find out where to listen to us Mm -hmm. if you get fed up with somebody. I've got us out there fucking everywhere at this point. And don't forget, uh, for those who don't know, every week we also... uh, the day that the episode drops every Saturday, we post a YouTube video. That's right. Uh, it's usually just like a cool looping aesthetic of some kind, whether it's creepy or it's just kind of visually stimulating. Uh, sometimes I throw little Easter eggs in those mm-hmm. videos or I just, uh, I don't know, I get something up my ass and I'm like, I want to make this one a little extra cool. <laughs> so if you checked into last week's 2000s where it's kind of a fun little opening, thank you. Uh, for like the eight people who look at it, but it's there for archive and it's, uh, if you just want something on in the background on your TV, it's there. So don't forget about YouTube as well. One thing I love listening to, listening back to us on YouTube, that's mm-hmm. my preferred method. Cause I'm a millennial, like, you know, both of us are, <laughs> I think we just got used to YouTube. Like right. YouTube is just such a comfort zone for millennials yeah. that I love going to YouTube. And yes, Natalie, who is the head of the Horizoid art department, unless you haven't figured that <laughs> out, she uh, works really hard on those YouTube videos every week and it shows and I love them. I enjoy them. Obviously I'm a little biased though. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, she does a great job, works really hard on them. So definitely go check those out. They're a lot of fun, even for us creating mm-hmm. them, making them and then seeing the final product. Right. It's really fun. So yeah. yeah, definitely check that out. We, uh, we would love to, uh, we'd love to get some more people, more subscribers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely some value in that. We could yeah. definitely, uh, use YouTube. We're going to be the next Markiplier. Fuck, I wish. We got, I could, I'd be down with that if we were like horror Markiplier. I don't know what the fuck we would stream. I don't know I what say, we would we, do. but we'd, we'd have to start like a Twitch with horror gaming, and that's just a whole new can of worms. You, know so you guys got to give days? us that million dollars so I can quit my day job and play horror games. I mean, I fucking love Resident Evil. I'll do it. That was Natalie's forte back yeah. in the day. Like She was, <laughs> in addition to watching a shitload of horror movies as a teen, she mm-hmm. also played a shitload of horror games. Yes. So if you think that's something you would like, that's a great that's a great point. If you think that's something you would like, a Twitch channel <laughs> where Natalie's fucking gaming and oh, kicking God. your ass and yeah. talking shit, that is something that you can help with. Leave us those five-star reviews, financially yeah. contribute to the podcast, and be on the lookout for Patreon. Right. Those are your mission, Azoids. Those are your missions. <laughs> That's your homework. Yep, go on. So now we will get to our shout-outs before we start delving into the topics of the episode. Because yes. every week we post, Natalie posts, I should say, a great video in which we ask, what is your favorite blank? And it mm-hmm. all relates to the theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. So we asked, what is your favorite you know, tying together of music and horror. Right. And Natalie gave some great examples for people to pick from, mm-hmm. and we got some great responses. First shout-out we want to give Bella Lugostly. We've given Bella a shout-out on the show before, 
and of course Alistair. Mm-hmm. They're two of our favorite people. Yes. Entities on because <laughs> Alistair. Like, I don't know what Alistair is to be honest with you, but I love I love I whatever saying, Alistair is. Uh, if you don't like ventriloquist dummies, as we've said before, be wary. But otherwise, please go follow. Go Bella follow Bella Lugosly. Lugosly. Great, great content creator. But Bella Lugosly said, "Rocky Horror. No other applications will be accepted," and that is a great point. And yes. we we planned on talking about Rocky Horror. Like that was one of the big things we knew we had to of hit course, this episode yeah. is rocky horror so we'll get into plenty of rocky horror today uh mrs todd's shortcut long screen name here <laughs> mrs todd's shortcut named the crow and lost boys as their favorite example of music and horror and those are two we definitely will talk about for yeah. sure as well we love the crow soundtrack we're addicted to the fucking lost boys soundtrack we sing Cry Little Sister at least once a week. So, yeah, we are definitely going to get into that. Frankie Sinistein. That's a I, kick-ass I think I'm pronouncing that right. I think so. Frankie Sinistein, that's how I'm going to pronounce it, said, That's really tough, but I listen to The Lost Boys most, but Rocky Horror is a close second. I'm noticing a theme here. I was going to say. Rocky Horror, <laughs> Lost Boys, two of people's faves, and I can't blame them. Now... The last one, one of my my favorite people on TikTok, AJ her. the Illustrator. First off, kick-ass fucking artwork. If you like horror and you yes. like pink, like me, go follow AJ the Illustrator. But AJ's also, amazing. We love yes. we love AJ. AJ, if you somehow listen to this, <laughs> thank you so much. We absolutely love and appreciate your work, and yes. we're glad to be mutuals with you. Exactly. There's awesome, awesome videos that they create, uh, fantastic artwork, like I said, um they really love scream so there's been a lot of those lately with the new movie coming up but near and dear to my heart as we talked about the beginning uh aj the illustrator said this song is on my 2022 playlist and they're referring to the audio that i used in the tiktok which is the zydrate anatomy from repo and the genetic opera and that's going to be a big topic we kind of mentioned it last week (laughs) in the 2000s horror yes but yes aj uh, they did mention Zydrate Anatomy, mm-hmm. said they fucking love this song, and that the Grave Robber is their ideal gender expression, yes, which I thought was I'm a very cool statement. Yes, I'm 100%. I agree. There's something about the Grave Robber that's just... Mwah, and the Grave perfect. Robber actually has a way more important role behind the scenes than he does yeah, on screen, and we gonna, will get to that. We're going to talk about that more. I like to tease things that we're going to talk yeah. about, even though to ADHD sufferers, we sometimes <laughs> don't get to those things. But I've been trying to get better about that's that. That's why we have notes. This Try, would, it'd probably be a disaster. It would be a disaster. I remember, I think the first couple episodes, we had like handwritten notes. And then we realized as things went on, like we should probably type out some notes. So yeah. we, try to, <laughs> we try to have a Google Doc open where we keep yeah. our notes for the week. And, uh, and yeah, so you guys, that's a little behind the scenes tidbit that yeah. we have quickly evolved into. More that you can probably see on our upcoming Patreon. That's right. That's right. We do plan a lot of behind the scenes goodies for everybody. Now, into the meat and potatoes of the episode, the best place we thought to start is at the beginning. And what comes at the beginning, you always get the great theme song, yes. the overture, the, the You know the musical themes that are going to be carried out through the show because of these fucking songs. Mm-hmm. So some of the most iconic theme songs we got to talk about. Uh, first on the list that I, I wrote down was Halloween. I mean, like, obviously. And, and to start with Halloween, it's also, like, the first song that everyone adds to their Halloween dance party playlist or, like, their Halloween party playlist. Yes. Like, these are the songs that are constantly on every cassette tape, record, CD, 
fucking anything that you can get mm-hmm. at the Halloween store when we were kids. And it always has these themes. Like, they're, everybody knows them, even if you've never seen the movie. Right. And Halloween, like I said, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Yeah. These are the songs. Like, you hear Hall- the Halloween theme song how fucking many times throughout <laughs> Throughout Halloween, throughout the fall, as soon as the leaves start to fall, you start hearing the. <laughs> I say people. I won't do on that their... <laughs> every time we talk about a song, by the way. But you know what I mean. You hear that. You hear that fucking that riff, that piano yes. riff, that synth riff that John Carpenter so expertly fucking created. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, John Carpenter, king of horror music, in my opinion, because you there are so many that are are huge, but. There's something about the Halloween theme song. I mean, yeah. from videos of people like doing silly dances in their Michael costumes, remixes <laughs> right. and shit, like everybody knows it. It's in every movie. Mm-hmm. There's always a version of it somewhere. And it's just, it's one of the best. John Carpenter as a musician is one of the coolest little details about all the Halloween movies, including the newer ones, mm-hmm. 2018, Kills and Ends. But he also did the music to In the Mouth of Madness, which is one of our favorites, and we can't wait to talk about that one. Mm -hmm. But if you look back, John Carpenter is probably just as good of a musician as he is a director. Oh, yeah. I I fucking love everything he's ever done. He's very jack of all trades. He is. And and it's kind of one of those things that harkens back to, you know, the old school mentality of like Mm -hmm. you did everything on the movie. Right. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't working with big time budgets like he was later in his career. He Mm -hmm. was... He had to, he had to do the music right. because <laughs> he didn't want to, he couldn't pay somebody else to do it exactly so yeah John Carpenter I love his music as much as I love his direction mm-hmm. uh, another great theme song the Nightmare on Elm Street theme song yeah which I feel like there's two big ones like everyone knows mm-hmm. um, the little girls you know outside singing the one two Freddy's coming for you but like just the main intro I feel like is you don't hear it as much as Halloween but it's one of those really good openers that you get that classic kind of 80s vibe. yeah i feel bad because I, I don't have written down who the composer is of that theme song yeah, but i no. love the nightmare on elm street theme yeah. song because as i've joked before i feel like charles band watched nightmare on elm street and just decided with all the full moon movies that that <laughs> yeah. was the music he's gonna do yes because if you listen to the fucking music in nightmare on elm street literally it, like every other full moon studios movie just took that music and it got more watered down as the full moon yeah. movies went along. Yes. They just sound, each one sounds like a more watered down <laughs> version of the one that came before, but it all, to me, I feel like he took everything from Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, and it's interesting that you say, you know, you kind of get those vibes, right? The, I feel like it's, it's such a distinguished sound that even whenever we were watching season four of Stranger Things, and yeah. you have, of course, Robert England in it, there's, Something that they do with the score that there's a lot of little bits in Stranger mm-hmm. Things season four that I was like, God, that's like Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, the synth, I mean, 80 synth is just one of those right. things it's that I think like is just like the pitch yeah. that they bring up of because course. it does have that kind of higher. Yeah. And I remember watching it. I was like, God, why does this sound like? And then I remembered that he's going to be in that season. I was like, ah, right. I kind of wonder if that's a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure it was a little nod yeah. to what they did. You know, the Duffer brothers have talked about all their inspirations for sure. Stranger Things and. You know, the music is one of those things that they clearly just took every 80s music soundtrack and score from the horror to the sci-fi movies and just said, this is going to be our whole fucking deal. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Some of our favorite theme songs we got to hit here. The Exorcist. 
Uh, one of my favorites, Tubular Bells by mm-hmm. a guy named Mike Oldfield. Oh, yeah. It's a great song in addition to just being creepy as fuck because yeah. of The Exorcist. Uh, fun little story for everyone here. And I think that the, this might be going around the country. But back in October, m- my sister and I went to this little string quartet. Uh, it was actually downtown Indy in the old Scottish Rites Cathedral. Um, they played tubular bells. So there was something very interesting about hearing the exorcist theme inside of a really beautiful Gothic church that I would never be in otherwise. Right. The, the most anti-religion <laughs> movie ever made, in my yeah. opinion, <laughs> being played in a giant Scottish cathedral. Yeah. You're right. There is very something weird about that. It was like candlelight. So if it's in your area and they want to do spooky shit come October, that. That was a whole fucking amazing thing to right. experience. Yeah, if you get to hear any of these live, because the next one we're going to talk about, Psycho. Yeah. Uh, of course, the shower scene. Everybody mm-hmm. knows the... the, the dun, sharp. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the, the sharp yeah. string violin. Bernard Herrmann did the soundtrack for... They, they score for Psycho. Mm-hmm. Amazing composer. Also did uh, that whistle song from Kill Bill. And I think oh, American Horror okay. Story used yeah. it too. Uh, yes, I forget the did. name off the top of my head. Twisted mm-hmm. Nerve. Twisted Nerve. Great song. That was also Bernard Herrmann. Uh, but yeah, the the Psycho theme song, the, mm-hmm. the shower scene and all that, the great score by Bernard Herrmann. Uh, sometimes uh, they've done it around here in our area in Indianapolis, and if they do it around you, I definitely recommend going and seeing it. But they'll have it where you watch the movie and a symphony or an orchestra mm-hmm. yeah. will play the, the score, music with yeah. it. And I'm so, I'm so bummed. I missed out an opportunity the last mm-hmm. time they did it here in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get to see it, but that's something. If you ever get a chance to see it, definitely do that. Yeah. Because the score for Psycho is such an important part of why that is my favorite movie of all time. It is, and it's beautiful. And I feel like everyone just remembers the sharp, but forgets that there's actually music and oh, everything that goes, yeah. <laughs> goes along with a that beautiful scene. Beautiful score. Beautiful but it is. Score. The whole movie, it's very good at moods and scene transition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. I, Highly, highly recommend seeing that live if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws. How can you forget the Jaws theme song right. by John Williams? Every kid did that in the lake, in the pool, like scaring the shit out of oh each other gosh. when they were little. Yeah. Well, you you know, with the kids, anytime I want to fuck with them, I sit there and I do the <laughs> dun yeah. dun and then I tickle them. You know, that's one of my favorite little, just little gags with the kids. So I love the Jaws theme song has just been integrated yeah. into all of our fucking brains as like the ultimate scary song i feel we're like. all just a big misunderstood shark sometimes we are we are <laughs> there's some tv series here that we're gonna hit too that we yeah. got to talk about the theme songs um goosebumps i mean it's Who a didn't f- love that? But it's a banger it is it's also you know as we've talked about and we will always talk about the things that molded us as children and i mean like the little like goosebumps g shadow like floating around and like it's it's fucking awesome it's so good it's so good yeah. i like i hear that and i just get hit with instant nostalgia yeah. and i can picture that fucking g floating through the sky yes and the dog with the eyes and the lady whose hair like shrivels up or yes. something it's i can picture I every the, single detail the dog with the glowing eyes on the porch is probably my favorite because it's the part in the song where it's like Burp, 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 burp. Right, right. And you're you have like, a weird barking oh, noise. is it? Oh, oh, the dog's in on the yeah. song. Look, okay. whoever composed that <laughs> fucking knew what they were doing. They saw that dog, and it's yeah. like, I'm gonna put them barking noises <laughs> in there for real, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Adams Family is a great iconic theme song. Of course. The snapping, the fingers, get right. even got integrated into Wednesday, mm-hmm. the series on Netflix with Jenna yeah. Ortega. 
uh, got integrated in a huge way, actually became part of the storyline. Yeah, they're like, here's a secret hallway, snap twice. Like, Bingo. Okay. Bingo. <laughs> the, the Adams Family is another one you hear it, and it just, like, you immediately know exactly what it is. It's, it's just one so of the most... happy for such a little macabre show. <laughs> it is, but... That's the thing. The The whole thing that Charles Adams was trying to point fun of is the mm-hmm. fact that these sick, twisted, psycho deviants are actually <laughs> a happy, well-adjusted family, right. which is the opposite of reality. You have these safe, happy nuclear families mm-hmm. with their, you know, dog and two and a half kids that are statistically accurate, apparently, mm-hmm. and they're miserable. Right. I think they're that's dark on the inside. That's what I've always loved about Adam's family. Right. right. It, I feel like after as much of the TV show and the movies that we've had, that mm-hmm. people would understand that like weird people aren't Satan worshipers at this point. No. Like half of us just want to like clip roses and quote Morticia. Half and... of us just look good in fucking black. <laughs> Leave right. us alone. Literally. It is a slimming color and <laughs> I need that for my self esteem. So right. back the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, the Adams Family, the Twilight Zone theme yeah, song. How can iconic. you not? How can you not? You like honestly, kind of scared me as a kid. Oh, it's terrifying. It really it is, is terrifying. It's kind of up there. Um, the next couple that we have, X Files and Unsolved Mysteries. I also love both of them. Ter- now, here's the thing that's funny. A lot of people are like the Unsolved Mysteries opening always freaked me out, and I understand because you know what's coming. Like scary ass Robert Stack telling you about a killer that hasn't been caught. But there's something... He's still at large. Right. But it's like... The <laughs> Shut synth- up, Robert Stack. <laughs> but the synthy shit is just so good to me. It's just... I don't know. I This is a song that I could just like pop on in the car sometimes. Be like, yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, I think we saw a, a vinyl for it at like FYE or something. Um, I think you're and right, I was yeah. Re- I really was tempted to yeah. buy it because I want that fucking theme song. I mean, for the vinyl cover alone, the cool like pink neon shit, like yeah. that's... and the scratched logo and everything. That's everything. It's perfect. It's peak yeah. nostalgia, early 90s shit for and, me. And the X-Files opening, you got all the weird cleep like creepy clips yes um yeah the like creepy shadows of the aliens and shit the close-up of the photo the, the photographs that are yeah. like really kind of like grainy the autopsy and shit. looking yeah. photos mm-hmm. yeah um and x-files is something that our family like religiously watched right um my sister collected like cards uh we were definitely in love with david duchovny uh, and uh i, I still will say jillian anderson yeah. is my forever crush no, both like, of them i love them so much yeah, yeah. and uh the I mean, the show's fucking terrifying. It's, it was scary. <laughs> it's, it was like, fucking scary. Though. I don't know how my mom's like, you're going to go to church three times a week. Now sit down and watch X-Files. <laughs> like, I don't understand. with that. She She's, cold. It's so fucking bizarre to me. You know me. what it was? It was it was Mulder. <laughs> Probably. We, I like, we need, I want to go, I will confront Mama Sue's about that. Like, Mama Sue's. <laughs> Do you or do don't you love David Duchovny? Yeah, guarantee the answer's got to be yes. It'll probably be yes. He yeah. seems like her type. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last two movies we want to hit here as far as iconic theme songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Saw. Yeah, like the shithole theme. Right. Exactly. Hello Zep. I think is what Hello it's called. Hello Zep. Yes. Yeah. It, got, it went under a few different names because he remixed it, kind of like it's the Halloween the, theme song. It's the climax of every movie. Every movie, as soon as like the as when soon all as you the start twists to get all start, the flashbacks. Yeah, I was gonna say the flashbacks and the really yeah. choppy cuts, and it's spinning around the one person in the room, and they're like freaking out. They're like, "Oh my god!" Right. And then it's, it's like the realization. Um, usually, those uh, they diminished as each movie went on. Um, but you still had the theme song playing. Yeah, you always had a, some variation of it by yeah. Charlie Clouser, yeah. one of our favorite composers, mm-hmm. originally a member of Nine Inch Nails. Yes. And 
I mean, it fucking shows. Right. He also did the theme song to American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Clouser, fucking great horror sound aficionado. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, he's he's one of the best. And Ghostbusters, like who are you gonna call? Uh, yeah. You, yeah, you got to throw that out. There. Uh, people will argue with me that this isn't appropriate for like Halloween playlists. Like, uh, uh, it's the most appropriate. It's fuck off. Ghostbusting. Like, it's, I get it. It's not a Halloween movie, but it's. Ghosts. It's Ghostbusters. It, right. Ghostbusters perfectly encapsulates what Halloween is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Spooky and fun. Dressing up in costumes. Right. Like, I don't give a shit who you are. At Halloween, you want to be spooky mm-hmm. and you want to have a good time. Right, exactly. That's Ghostbusters. It if is. You, I, I don't see how people don't see the connection. Right. Right. Ghostbusters is, like, hands down one of the best horror theme songs ever. Right. Ever. I mean, and the score in general, it's got that fun kind of happy tone to it but it's the 80s man right exactly 80s movies just had a different vibe yes they did i can't explain it but it was a different i mean even ghostbusters afterlife and i know why but like the music the way it carried over even with a movie that came out now it still feels like it fits it doesn't feel like an 80s movie it it but it feels like a 90s movie though like yeah ghostbusters afterlife uh, felt like a fucking '90s movie for some reason. Yeah, and a bar- big part of that was the music. Like right. every time the music would s- would swell mm-hmm. for a scene, it's like holy shit. That's how they, that that's how they used to do it. Yeah, those were Honestly, like those yeah. were like all the '90s movies that we grew up watching. Those Chris Columbus '90s movies. <laughs> yep, that's what the soundtrack reminded me of for Ghostbusters Afterlife. The big things that we really want to get into with this episode: they're horror musicals. And there's not a lot out there, but the ones that are out there are fucking amazing. They are. We love musicals. We really do. We really do. And, of course, the most iconic horror musical is Rocky Horror. Right. And, it, of course, it started out as a Rocky, Rocky Horror show on Broadway. Richard O'Brien brought this to life in the London theaters and stages, and then it just became a phenomenon from there. Mm-hmm. And it got a movie in the 70s. I want to say 1975, 76, somewhere around there. Richard O'Brien made it a movie called the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of the Broadway cast. He was in it, obviously. He plays Riff Raff. Mm-hmm. And then you've got fucking Tim Curry, the iconic right. Tim Curry, playing Dr. Frankenfurter, who played it in the stage version as well. Yeah. Just one of the most brilliant pieces of fiction I've ever seen in my life. It is. It's wild. I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, um, I mean, okay. And then I watched it again. I was like, I get it. <laughs> See, now that was a Halloween tradition in my house. Watching it, Rocky Oh, Horror. yeah. And it's so funny because my grandpa, who was actually super conservative, like when you get down to say, it. I was going to say, there's some bizarre shit in that movie. There is some people. bizarre shit in that movie. But it, and my grandpa, being as conservative as he was, would literally say, hey, are we going to watch uh, Transvestite from Transylvania this year? <laughs> he, that's what he would say. He couldn't he even would, remember the name. Because he, yeah. he wouldn't say Rocky Horror Pictures. We're going right. to watch Transvestite from Transylvania? And that's to this day one of my favorite fucking songs. Mm-hmm. I will, that is a uh, that's a bop I will put on in the car here at home. Doesn't matter. I mean, the music is it's it's never ending, timeless goodness. So good. The fact that I continue to see people who are who were the age that I was when I first saw that yeah. movie see it, and like the Halloween costumes last year were fucking e- like it was everywhere. I don't know what the fuck was happening. Oh, people uh, were popping off because it's were. <laughs> They think the pandemic's over, and well, they're just like, they're ready to get true. out there and fucking get crazy. They're like, whatever. We're cooped up for two years. Yeah. We want fucking Halloween. Yeah. We want to slut it up. Yeah. And I don't there blame were, them. It was Frankenfurter Madness. Frankenfurter Madness. And uh, I'm here Columbia for it. Magenta. 
Yeah, yeah honestly. You see, you, I started to see some of that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that contributes, though, to uh, Halloween 2. Yeah. Because remember, she dresses up as, I forget if it's Columbia or Magenta off the top of my head. But she dresses up as one of them for her Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And I know, it, so she's been doing like cons in that outfit. Yeah. And so it's kind of yeah. got a resurgence there. Yeah. But, I, I yeah. always love that part about Halloween too. Whenever oh, they're yeah. getting dressed up, I'm like, ah, I yeah. see it. All right. Yes. I, I honestly sit here in Rocky Horror Picture Show is just one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, if we were to redo our first episode all over again of our top five horror movies, I would probably put Rocky Horror Picture Show in there now. I don't know what I'd bump, but I would definitely <laughs> put Rocky Horror in there. We can always extend to a top ten. You but know. It's, it's, a brilliant, it's a brilliant movie because it is literally designed from the beginning to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because if you notice in the background, Tim Curry and the actors who play Columbia and Magenta are there at the wedding mm-hmm. it, it, where Brad proposes to Janet. They're there. Right. And you just feel disoriented because you're like, that, no, that, no. Yeah. He shouldn't be there. Exactly. So it's just the whole fucking movie from start to finish is a disorienting ride of fucking madness. And the music is like your fucking sled. It's your magic carpet. The music is your, is your fucking magic carpet on this ride through this fucked up piece of fiction. Yeah. It is beautiful. It is. It's very, and of course it's one of those where it's like, what was your first Tim Curry movie? And if they say this, you're like, we're friends. Oh, and what's your favorite Tim Curry movie? Yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. See, but see, that's the thing, there's though. There's good answers and bad answers. I was going to say, the favorite for sure. Um, but I also, I just like asking people, like, what was your first Tim Curry movie? Because yeah. for me, probably it was Fern Gully. Uh, for me, it was either Fern Gully or. Home Alone, Home Alone 2. Two. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it was one of those. Yeah. Now, my first experience with Tim Curry will probably be passing that fucking box of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking passing that every fucking time in the video store and seeing him in the makeup. Uh, I probably saw that before I saw any any movie. See, and I, I was very young when I saw him in It on Well, TV. I didn't see the movie. I'm talking about just the box. Oh, for just sure. The fucking I mean, box. we've talked about that before, like the box, the, just the freaky monster hand. And it was a mini series, so it was a big, thick fucking VHS <laughs> with two tapes. Yeah. And you, oh, yeah. And you just had, so it would burst out off the shelf at you, and Tim Curry's just like, <laughs> we all float down here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's fucked up. I love Tim Curry, though. I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is absolute perfection. It is. Uh, another horror musical. We talked about this on our Christmas episode, mm-hmm. but it's a great musical. Anna and the Apocalypse. This one will cry. And like even re- oh, like so you re-listen to some of the songs like after the movie. Like I, there's been a few times I've come home and Stevie's had it playing. And yeah, I just it's had it like, on the other day. It's just it's some really fucking good music. It's, it's good cool. Music. It's a zombie apocalypse music. Yeah. Uh, this is one that I would absolutely love to see like broadway performance level oh i i'm sure that's got to be in the works somebody somewhere has got to be getting this motherfucker ready yeah but anna and the apocalypse is it's terrific because it's like it's gen z because this came Mm -hmm. out in like 2017 so it's like gen z kids in high school Mm -hmm. and the songs reflect that the story being a zombie apocalypse still reflects that yeah and you still have again what i say about a lot of these movies is you got to have a good human villain to yeah. go along with your, your monsters. And it has a great human villain with the principal. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, it's interesting that you say that too. Because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you were saying that. I'm like, zombie movie, human villain. 
thinking of all these movies in my head, and yeah. I'm like, is there a movie where it's really just the zombies? But no, it's always somebody. There's always some. There's always somebody. Yeah. There's always whether it's somebody. the military being dicks and like 28 days later, right? Uh, the guy in Train to Busan who's like trying to break the group up and like leave these few people to the zombies. Yeah. You're right. It is. It's Dawn always of the somebody. Dead. You get the the fucking shitty security guards in the right. Dawn of the Dead remake. You know, it's like you always have and villain good... after villain in The Walking Dead. Yes, yeah, yeah you have great human. Yeah. Negan, Negan's a great example of yeah. a great human villain. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you want to make a good zombie movie, you got to give a human villain to go along with him. And this one, you get a principal. Of a a principal. School. Oh my god! So like everyone he's such always such a giant dick though right. too. Oh, he's like. I thought my principal was bad. Nope. <laughs> no, no. Fucking this guy makes all principals look fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's terrible. But it will. it is a tearjerker, too. Yeah. There's some fucking hard shit to watch. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it again in the Christmas episode. Definitely go back and listen to that if you want to hear <laughs> us go more in-depth. Repo the Genetic Opera, man. I... Love this fucking movie. Stevie hadn't even seen this till a couple of months ago yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... It's a bizarre movie. So weird. Uh, amazing cast, amazing music. It's dark. It's gritty. The vibes are there. The the wardrobe alone, but the music is catchy as fuck. Yes, and uh, we don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the composer of the film who did all of the music mm-hmm. plays the grave robber, as we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Is that Terence Zdunich? Yeah, I'm this not sure. The best. I can't attempt. try to say it. I'd probably, we'll probably ruin just it henceforth <laughs> refer to him as the grave robber. Yeah, but he's an amazing, amazing musician because all mm-hmm. the music in here is it's it has like this. It it is called Repo the Genetic Opera, and it feels like an opera the way the music is done. But it's also got a very hard rock feel to it. Yeah, it's like a hard rock opera. There's something a little Rocky Horror with some of the performances. Oh, so much. I agree because they are very theatrical and over yeah. the top whereas like some of the other musicals like anna and the apocalypse and others that we're going to talk about it's just kind of like breaking out into song it doesn't feel as performative whereas with rocky horror and repo it feels like everything stops around them and all the people that are in the alley come up to join and it's very broadway oh i know again. exactly <laughs> what you mean it does it feels it they they, they translate well from uh, stage to screen. Yes, they do. Which I don't know. I don't think Repo actually was any was a, like a, I don't think an actual so, no. Broadway show or anything like that. But again, it does feel like an adaptation of some weird futuristic sci-fi Broadway show. Right. Exactly. It, it's it's incredibly well done. Uh, musician Sarah Brightman, who I do I believe does Broadway in theater, mm-hmm. uh, plays uh, Mag in the movie, mm-hmm. and she like without her. The only other real musician on the fucking cast would have been Paris Hilton. So, uh, yeah, thankfully Sarah Brightman really brings it. She's one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. I think Mm -hmm. she plays, I think she plays Mag so fucking well. I I love that part. I think I think her role is so underrated. No, I agree. Because I mean, her and Paris though. Like I give Paris Hilton shit, but she does a great job. (laughs) I was gonna say, yeah, Paris is actually something like. I remember I hated her like forever ago. Yeah. Now I'm just kind of like Paris. She's kind of cool. She was, yeah, yeah, right. She ultimately in the end, she never like she never really did uh, like other. I mean, she drunk driving and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, she but did some pretty. She bad did shit. some. She did some some pretty bad shit. But at the same time, it's like in the end, like she seems like one of those celebrities who learned their lesson. She's doing all right. Just mm-hmm. had a kid or something. So yeah, and looking back, you're like, yeah, this was like campy and fucking yeah. shitty and fun. But that's what that's what horror is. 
Yeah, and, exactly. And, and when you look at like her horror performances, House of Wax, and then she did this other movie, I think it was called like Nine Lives. It was a really shitty, low-budget indie horror movie. Yeah. But all of her shit was always campy and fun. Right. It was never intended to be this great thespian performance. Right. I was going to say, we kind of mentioned her with House of Wax. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, it's it's Paris Hilton. It's Paris Hilton. You know what you're getting. <laughs> right. And at the end of it, like, again, it, like, looking back, she never tried to act outside of her, like, abilities. She knew what she was good at. You know, honestly... I feel like I if she had that. done more movies, she. I feel like people will look at her the same way they look at Sherry Moon Zombie. Like, oh, you're not sure, particularly sure. good, but you're a really cute, skinny blonde that can, like, be in a movie. I Honestly, I would love it if Rob Zombie somehow got Paris Hilton to be in Dude, one of his fucking movies. Paris Hilton and Sherry Moon Zombie together would be fucking amazing. I want to see a badass fucking grindhouse, slaughterhouse-y fucking bloody action movie where they just play two badass bitches with guns. <laughs> yes. That's what we need to see. We need to see Rob Zombie make that fucking happen. He's the only director who can make that happen. I, I'm a hundred percent on board for that. <laughs> One movie we have been really excited to talk about. We keep trying to find a reason to bring it up. Finally, we do hellbender. Yes. Uh, we kind of threw this back and forth a little bit because it, it did come out last year. We kind of thought about it for our horrorzoid awards at the end of the year. Um, but this movie is uh, a family film, literally made by the Adams family, not Shout out not to the, the spooky Adams ones, uh, but also kind of spooky. Um, but they have this cool little rock duo, like bass, guitar, drum set, um, mother and daughter in the movie. Yeah, and, and played by real life mother yes. Toby Poser and daughter Zelda Adams. Yes, and that's hence why they're the Adams family, right? The yes. father, John Adams, uh, directed the movie mm-hmm. along with uh, Zelda and Toby are both credited as directing as well mm-hmm. because the family filmed this during the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, Lulu Adams, the uh, second sister who is in the movie as well, mm-hmm. doesn't really have a lot behind the scenes, but delivers a great, great acting performance. Yeah. It's so literally family film. It's literally. very remote, which works uh, since the time it was filmed. It was right. basically in the mountains and the neighbor is like a mile away, two miles away walk through the woods, basically. Yeah. But you get this awesome fucking music. I don't know how to describe it. It's a little grungy. It's a little macabre. It's... It, it, it honestly, it's, it's got a little bit of the feel, like, the, the best I can compare it to is like, back when they had the new wave of British heavy metal in like the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and the way Black Sabbath sounded mm-hmm. because uh, Tony Iommi always said he the reason his guitar sounded like that is because the way he played and he had like a deformity on his finger and stuff and it just mm-hmm. gave it this really heavy sound. And that's what I think Hellbender sounds like. Hellbender is very early British heavy metal kind of sound. And yeah. I think when you listen to it and you watch the movie and you, you can go on uh, Spotify and Apple Music or whatever, and listen to the the soundtrack. You, yes. You'll you'll see what I mean. Yes, and this is one thing. If if you've seen the movie and you're just like, I want to listen to the music and I can't find it, you're not alone. It took me a second. Um, Hellbender, but all the E's are sixes, so you get three sixes in Hellbender. They're on Apple and Spotify and YouTube um, to listen to. I have just a playlist of the music so I can listen to it. Um, but it is it's. It's a really cool, it's a witch movie. It is. It's a very interesting coming-of-age movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really dark and weird and cool and moody. And 
this movie is probably my most underrated. I would put this, I want everybody to fucking see this. I know I said last week, like, Trick or Treat is the movie I would never gatekeep. Hellbender is going to be the movie that I'm going to be like, hey, 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 you should watch Hellbender. <laughs> right. This is the one that you make people sit down and watch. It's, yeah. it's that. It, it just feels like an important movie. It does. And, and we've... And, and, uh, we don't say that just because we've interacted with the Adams family. No, They're great no. people. They've they follow us on Instagram. We follow them, so we you know we we uh, we do feel a sense of uh, closeness to them now since yeah. we've kind of uh, uh, been uh, shooting the shit with them and everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. It's a, it's a terrific movie. It really is like by every stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. and every sense of the word, it is just one of the most beautiful breathtaking horror movies i've ever seen it is the way the it's music filmed, the visuals yes. everything all of the above they do everything perfectly it is and it's uh, it took us a while to watch it. i kept going we need to watch this movie i've seen a few people say how great this movie is yeah and then we finally got to it a little towards the end of last year and i was like fuck i should have watched this sooner well i i realized like i'm i'm at least on my side i'm one of those people where i like to wait for the initial buzz to fade away like i don't mm-hmm. like to watch shit when like people are buzzing about it mm-hmm. because i feel like that influences me i'll, I'll be the first to say it. like i, I no, get, i'm no. easily swayed it's it's the in same that direction. it's the same kind of thing that we've talked about with uh trailer influence yeah uh, why we avoid movie trailers like uh we're at the theater and i just look down and i'm like i can hear it but i'm not seeing anything so i don't know which we don't have to worry about that anymore because they're raising the prices so we probably won't go back to a movie i mean we barely go to amc anyway (laughs) (laughs) we like regal even though they're like filed for bankruptcy and closing a bunch of them amc's raising their prices regal's fucking closing if you're listening to this we're recording this and we're recording this in february of 2023 and uh shit's looking grim for the theater industry yeah i'm a little write us and let us know if it gets better it's my favorite (laughs) Um, I mean, we have a theater that's fairly close to us yeah. uh, that it has been around since the 20s, and they show a lot of classic movies. They do so, like show some newer ones, um, but like the seats are also from 1920s, so they don't believe in like anything over a size 10 woman. Um, <laughs> so, but it's like I feel like those are the theaters we're gonna have to end up like just going to those little ones because we live in fucking indiana like a lot of states aren't gonna have to worry about it but i do i worry about the the way the theaters are looking right now that's true i didn't mean to interrupt you you were talking about hellbender though oh yeah sorry we get off our (laughs) we really i mean we really like the theater i've I've said before it made me like sad that we couldn't go through the pandemic not that i i would even if i could but it was just the biggest thing that i missed but hellbender yeah, it's one of those. First off, if I could see it on the big screen, that'd be fucking. That would be amazing. that would that is a movie that does need to be experienced if it ever goes to theaters. Yeah, uh, you know, like like a bigger, wider release. Yeah, uh, I that is one I will be first in line. I was to see. say it's gonna be a fifteen year later. Like how long I had to wait for Trick or Treat. <laughs> hey, but we finally got there. <laughs> we did, and I'll I'll be around for it. But it is it's one of those that um we saw a few people talk about. We finally got to. And uh, it starts, like, with a song. Like, it kicks right into the music. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the makeup that they put on. Like, they do this whole thing. Like, they are their own little metal band in the middle of the woods. And it's just the daughter Zelda playing drums and the Mm -hmm. mom Toby uh, playing bass. Yeah. That's and, it. And that's it in the movie. You right. know, I imagine they probably like Yeah, I'm sure there's I, I imagine there's a little more, more going on. on the on the back end. Yeah, the... yeah, but the uh but it's just pre- presented as just those two and mm-hmm. they, it's fucking kick ass. Like Natalie said it they is. put on like war paint and makeup and mm-hmm. shit and it's again the movie has a very uh 
feminine empowering message in my opinion so you get the vibe from them and with the way they present themselves they're like these badass fucking warrior women yeah like she even describes hellbender you know somebody asks her what's a hellbender and she says part witch part demon part apex predator and that might be my favorite line in the whole fucking movie yeah because it really describes exactly what they are Mm -hmm. to a t i i agree it's it's also a movie i feel like it's good for horror beginners who they might want a a little bit of a slow burn um nothing too in your face because while there are some some they have some intense scenes they have some a little bit of intensity to it but not too much i agree like it's very artsy too it's not fried berry right no (laughs) oh fucking jesus we haven't talked about that one that's definitely it's nowhere near fried berry that's what i'm saying like that's (laughs) like if you've seen fried berry it's quite tame yeah quite quite tame tame. compared to that it is it's very tame i mean it it's pretty the music's cool like i don't know how much more i can gush about it but like we watched it um we kind of mentioned it and posted something about it and like i would have never in a million years and i don't think this anytime it's rarely ever happened before where someone who's worked on a movie or an actor either they like it or let alone fucking comment like they did yeah and then like follow us right it meant a lot yeah it was it was like it's because we really respect what they were able to create all all four of them they do a tremendous job they're all four great performers, creators, and uh, yeah, we we can't wait for their next project. We know we've seen yeah. them filming some stuff, mm-hmm. so we're super excited to see. It's the Adams family with one D, right? One D, <laughs> yeah, not 1D. two, like the the other Adams family. Yeah, but yeah, definitely check out Hellbender. It's another reason why we keep telling you get Shutter. Yes, it's on Shutter. Yes. Go fucking watch it. Absolutely. Other couple musicals we want to hit here. Really fun ones. Little Shop of Horrors from the eighties. Of course. Like, how can you not love? You know, suddenly Seymour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just such a fun fucking movie. Feed me. Feed me. Yeah, the music, that's one that I, I definitely remember we would rent from the video store as a kid. Yeah. And, or it'd be on like the Sunday movie matinee on Fox yeah. TV. And I always, I loved the music. And I, but I also really loved the, you know, uh, the fucking puppetry in that movie. Oh my god, of course. Yeah, because I mean, if you did that movie nowadays, I think it would just be a big CG thing, uh, depending who picked it up, obviously. Depending. And but just seeing this big fucking monster plant is just so cool. And so I mean, good. she's iconic. I love Audrey. Yeah, who Audrey's doesn't love Audrey? Beautiful. And Rick Moranis. Audrey too. And yeah. wasn't Steve Martin in it? Yeah, Steve Martin was in yes. that. Yeah, yeah. fuck. What? Like, yeah. I'm sitting here trying to, like, I remember Steve Martin. Like, how can you not love that movie? Right. Some it's the, great. Some of the most lovable actors. Great music. Great Addicting songs. Addicting music. Like, and it's, again, another pure 80s nostalgia movie. Yes, it I is. put it up there with Gremlins. As, like, oh, when yeah. I put it on there, like, that would be a double feature for me. Gremlins and fucking Pe- uh, Little Shop of Horrors. That is, like, the two things that aren't similar at all, but somehow feel the same. You, and you I know what I, I mean. I do. You said they it, and it clicked. The same. Yeah. They vibe the same. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I will stand by that. And the last one we want to mention as far as musicals go, Nightmare Before Christmas. Of course. Like, it shaped so many of us. Yeah. It's, um, you know, everyone is... This is Halloween in October. Dude, or it, do- the, it doesn't like, even matter if it's before. October. Yeah. Well, no, but it's like it's like Halloween. Like when you start seeing it on social media, you're like, oh, True. the horror and Halloween people are True. getting restless. Uh, plus, how like nobody has more tattoos out there than fucking Jack, <laughs> than Jack Skellington, Skellington at this point. Yeah. I 
I have a theory that probably 75% of people that identify as female have a Jack Skellington tattoo. Uh, yeah, I almost got one once I years ago. I fucking know you did. But ironically, I ended up helping in a tattoo design for my oldest sister who has mm-hmm. like a partial sleeve. Yeah. But it is, it's one of those that it's almost gotten like, it's so big that I'm like, I had to back off of it for a minute there. I was like, holy fuck, it went crazy. It because it used to be you'd only see stuff for it around Halloween, and now it's anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Now every girl at the mall has a pair of Jack Skellington pajama pants on. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Or, Walmart. Mean, or Walmart. Or Walmart. This might yeah. be more of a Walmart I was going to say, Walmart always has cool Nightmare always. Nightmare Before Christmas stuff around Halloween. It but does. yeah, it's, it's something I remember... You know, I'd have stuff for it back when I was a teenager, and I I treasured it so much because I loved that movie. My mom hated it at first. She was like, "It's too scary for Christmas." Um, but then well, let me watch that. the Sandy Claus, <laughs> right? Right. I, there's probably some lines in that movie I didn't quite pick up on them whenever oh, I was yeah. a kid. Oh yeah. Um, as most movies, but um, yeah, it's it's something that it's so big now. It's cool to see. Um, again, just a reminder, it's not a fucking Tim Burton movie. Fuck him. But Danny Elfman does the music. Danny of Elfman does the music. Henry Selleck directed it. And but Danny Elfman does the music. And we have we talked about Danny Elfman yeah. with uh, some of our like Sleepy Hollow and stuff. Right. Danny Elfman is a fucking icon yeah. of music. I know Danny Elfman music when I hear it. It's like a movie's playing. Right. I'm like, is there Danny Elfman? What movies? I this? get it. No, yeah. I get what you mean when you say that. Like he is one of those composers, and I would uh, say John Williams is in that category. Yeah. As well, maybe Hans yeah. Zimmer, but there, like he, Danny Elfman is one of those composers. When you hear his music, you know it's him. You're yeah. absolutely fucking right. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like for me, like the Batman, his Batman theme song. Oh, is yeah. the one I hear in my head whenever I think of Batman. Yeah, like <laughs> no, I, fucking, I totally get that. Uh, Danny Elfman, like, and then of course, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Chris Sarandon did the speaking voice for Jack Skellington, mm-hmm. but Danny Elfman did the singing. Did sing for Jack, so, which is what most people remember. Exactly, honestly. they remember like we love Chris Sarandon on the show. We of stand, course. we we yeah. stand Randon, <laughs> stand Randon. Um, but Danny Elfman, <laughs> uh, that movie, like nobody remembers Chris Sarandon. They remember yeah. Danny Elfman singing. Yeah, exactly. So, it, 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 like we had to include that with if we're talking horror and music like those, it did he again. helps he helps the baby horrors right well and when you think about it too they did the nightmare revisited soundtrack i think it was like a 10 years later yeah. thing or 15 years had later like thing. the used and all that shit of course yeah. everyone knows on the unfortunate manson cover the now. manson cover but was, yeah yeah the i corn mean was on it i think evanescence maybe evanescence? did sally's yes, song yeah that. or amy My, lee uh, did, uh, did sally's the recently song. disbanded panic at the disco i believe had a song on yep. it as well yeah so so yeah, oh, it, I I I owned that for sure. That was a yeah. great fucking and so like that's really good tie into music and horror. Yeah. Like I think those like that's a great representation of what that can be. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of scores, we talk about Danny Elfman as a composer. We want to talk about some other composers and some other scores that just have really stood out to us. Yeah. And uh, Natalie brought up a good question, or a good uh, kind of common ground between all of these scores. And yeah. she, she mentioned that it like, uh, that it, it's, it's something that it ties everything together. Mm-hmm. It, it, you like, we kept, we kept using the term. It completes the movie. Yeah. Cause we're like, we're talking about with Danny Elfman, like, obviously there's all the songs that they sing, but you know, we're talking about, Oh, I know this, you know, it's a Danny Elfman music just by being in the other fucking exactly. room and not know what even movies on. 
you know, he does have, you know, score composures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these kind of, they fall in that same category where I would, I would not enjoy the movie if it was any other music. There's something about how, and some of these, I feel like we kind of talked about this a little bit before that there are a lot of the soundtracks to have in common that I would listen to a lot of these just outside of watching the movie. Yes. They're on playlists and, you know, like horror playlists or spooky, moody playlists and things like that. Just and, a kind of chill lo-fi playlist too. Cause that's yeah. like another thing. A lot of these have in common is like when they're going through those calm moments in the movie, mm-hmm. they have these beautiful scores of these, these underscores and these undertones of music yeah. that are carrying these scenes during some of their, less intense moments Mm -hmm. and that creates a vibe where you can just listen to them casually like in your free time like these can be songs that you can just put on and chill and relax and you've got these beautiful strings and woodwind instruments just coming together in perfect harmony these brass instruments whatever you are into (laughs) it's there they're coming together in a perfect harmony yeah and it just creates for a great listening experience right and Mm -hmm. I think it's it. I'm glad that we talked about Danny Elfman because obviously he's been doing this for so long, and oh, yeah. some of these are, you know, a little newer, whether they're newer to us or just newer to like you know composing for horror movies. But one of them that I I really love the music, and there's it's more than just this movie, but Benjamin Wallfish. Um, He's done quite a few different movies. I just remembered. I think he does Cure for Wellness as uh, Yeah, well. he does Cure for but Wellness. the music from 2017's It remake, yeah. Chapter 1, if you want to call it yeah. that. Well, the music in the sequel, too, is still yeah, Benjamin Wallfish. Exactly. I thought it was also well done. Yeah, yeah. very. Uh, has some very beautiful music. Obviously, like, Beverly's song is, like, one of my favorites on there. Oh, yeah. But it's just music. I don't know what it is about the way it opens. Like, that's a comfort movie for me, but that piano and softness with of the music whenever it goes right into, mm-hmm. you know, them making the boat in that beginning scene. It just sets the whole mood of that whole movie. Well, and you talk about the softness of the score that Benjamin Wallfish brings to the table and i think it's so great that you when you said that it instantly clicked it's a soft soundtrack and score for a movie that goes fucking hard right and you know there's moments where of course it picks up you know like the little boy coming down the stairs dropping the eggs and shit it has like that you know that sharp crescendo but at the same time it, it even then even when it gets sharp and stringy it's still there's a softness to it. You that's a great way yeah, to describe it's it. Not it's not uncomfortable smooth. to listen to. No, not at all. I would say it's I love the music from Psycho, but I don't just listen to that song with the sharp strings and just be like, "Ah, oh, yes, yeah. relax." Well, even the opening of Trick or Treat, <laughs> you know, that's one oh, with yeah, the sharp yeah. strings like the brink brink brink. Well, it's a lot. It's like, yeah, it it's is. not one you would probably listen to casually too no, much. No. I I agree. And but there's something with the way uh Benjamin does music that you know, even though it's for a horror movie and it mm-hmm. sounds really pretty, there's always something so like gloomy and sad sounding about his music. Yeah, there, it's it's melancholy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the perfect yeah. word for right, it. Right, right. I yeah. agree. I agree. Uh, one I fucking love and I will jam to, <laughs> like fucking jam to, is I mean, the It Follows yeah. soundtrack. Absolutely. And the artist is Disaster Piece. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I always look up Disaster Piece so I can mm-hmm. listen to that fucking soundtrack. Yeah. I keep going back to that. It's, it's one of the movies that we've talked about in the past where... 
uh, the music really is the cherry on top. Oh, it so is. It so is. There might be another do a shot. We've mentioned this movie moment. <laughs> right. We talk about it follows a lot. Well, it's it's one of our like favorites Absolute ever. Favorites. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you get this cool synthy vibe. Uh, there's another great building of tension there's a couple of tracks in this movie that just make me feel like i'm gonna like i'm buzzing like i'm on edge right it's uh you use you've used the word before frisian you mm-hmm. know and it's yeah. like i don't know if this is quite frisian but at the same time it's like it it tickles the brain it tingles those neurons it's in, close in, right yeah, yeah. it's 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 very it's a brain tingly kind of soundtrack yeah kind of like um we just listened to it the other day tron legacy uh oh, Daft yeah. Punk. i would say disaster pieces it follows soundtrack score whatever you want to call it is on par with daft punk's tron legacy i'm with you and tron legacy i think that's a i i i know what i'm saying <laughs> i know what i'm saying when i compare those two and i stand by that like it, the it the it follows just the theme song alone, you know, yeah. when they're walking to the pool. Oh yeah, the, with that big fucking like it, it gets it's it, it swells it swells and it climaxes and I don't use that word a lot, <laughs> but it, it does and it has this big fucking just it, it builds so beautifully. Yeah, and then you talk about the scene with the old lady when she's approaching Jay mm-hmm. in the hallway and the pacings pick the up pacing. and. Even though this, and it's something that even I just said that and it just clicked in my brain. If you guys have ever seen this movie or I think I even posted part of this where the old woman is walking through the hallway and it goes so slow and then the music is so fast, but there's nothing fast about it. And maybe that, you know, that's kind of part of it. It's why we love and wanted to talk about music and horror Yeah, is because you have something like this where you have the ability to make something feel so urgent and yeah. uncomfortable when it's just an old woman walking at you. Yeah, and if she you can... take the music away, and right. we talked about this before we went on yeah. the air, if you take the music away from a lot of these movies and these scenes, it doesn't mean anything. Right. And honestly, that scene, if you take away the fucking music, it's just an old woman walking towards a girl. Yeah, you're and like, what is she waiting for? not a big fucking deal. <laughs> right. But the music makes it... It's. I feel the same way about the scene when she walks into the kitchen and there's that woman there who pisses herself. Yeah. And that fucking <laughs> sharp... The, I, the I mean, that's, that's it is what it is, guys. Like, you're listening to a podcast about horror movies. Like, well, this, no, we're going to talk about this shit. I also... I think that scene's odd because it's like... It's just standing there for a minute. It's like thinking like, what the fuck do I do now? And then it finally starts to move. But yeah. no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. There's there's these really uncomfortable builds in the music that's... It, it plays well. And I, I'm always fascinated by the things that they do with soundtracks mm-hmm. where... Um, and I don't, I saw something about it the other day when I was looking at this and I forget the name, but there's basically something that they can, I think that they used it in insidious. Our ears can't pick it up quite, but they put it in there and it, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like subconsciously makes you more nervous and yeah. uncomfortable. And I find that interesting because of the fucking insidious soundtrack alone, which we were going to get to is uncomfortable in itself. I'm like, I don't need weird shit that I can barely hear to make me more uncomfortable with that movie. Right. Right. No, that, that is uh, that's another example too, that we will get to, uh, resident evil. We mentioned it last week with the two thousands, great score. Also great soundtrack that we're going to talk about here later too. But Marilyn Manson, unfortunately did the score is Mm -hmm. credited for doing the score to the original resident evil 
soundtrack, which is just it, it is amazing. Unfortunately, it's heavy. It's upbeat. Right, it's Action right. feeling. Like I said, cool. my conspiracy theory is that Marilyn Manson actually had nothing to do with it. He just paid somebody. He just <laughs> he's credited. But I'm I'm telling you, I don't know why I ha- I feel like that. Other than he's just a shitty dude. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I think somebody else had a hand in that, but yeah. it's a great, it is like for whether, you know, whatever you want to do, if you want to, you know, listen to it or not listen to it, it, it unfortunately it's a good score. Yeah. Either and, way, know, you're going to hear it when you're watching the movie. You're going to so. hear it. And, and it does. It has like that weird, like, like Natalie said, I mean, said like, sounded like I was saying cookie cookie when I was doing <laughs> it. I, so I won't do it again, but there's that sound effect that's like always in the back and it's like. It sounds like two metal objects like clinging yeah, to each yeah, yeah. other. You know what I mean? It's just a really good it's fucking, industrial sound. Very good industrial yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. So I love that one. Uh, the Shining. And one thing, like, first off, I fucking love The Shining because the music does make you fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. But uh, it was composed. One of the composers on the movie was a woman by the name of Wendy Carlos, who is the first trans woman to actually be credited as uh, contributing to the score of a film oh, as a composer. Awesome. I had no idea right. about that. I love that story. I yeah. love the story of Wendy Carlos. Stanley Kubrick was a fucking asshole. We'll just yeah. we'll call a spade a spade. He, the way he treated Sh- uh, Shelley Duvall was atrocious mm-hmm. and should not be allowed, no matter what you're trying to accomplish right. and create, no matter how good the product is at the end, because mm-hmm. we love The Shining. I called it my second favorite movie of all time. Stand by that. But one great aspect of this movie despite all the shittiness it's is, is Wendy Carlos. Music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Wendy Carlos created a, a, a soundtrack and there was another woman who actually worked with her on the soundtrack as well. Her name I didn't have in my notes, but these two created a score and a soundtrack that was so disorienting. Very like even from the, the, the kind yeah. of the, the weird, almost echoey, hillside vocals that's the only way i can say it, is it sounds yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about it just yeah. sounds like the shit that people are like well i heard a woman crying from the cliffs and like i don't think we should go up there like that's right. the kind of vibe those vocals in the in the music actually puts out because it is you've got the the really kind of amazing strings and everything mm-hmm. in there but that vocal the eeriness that it lays yes. on top of that is so fucking freaky yes. This, this is a beautiful score. It's as beautiful as it is discomforting. And that's the only way I can describe it. Like it, the, the music adds so much to the, to the uncomfortable atmosphere of the, of the shining. Like it, it's like the movie feels wrong. And I think a big part of that is the music. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, another uh, shout out here on scores, silence of the lambs by Howard Shore. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think before the show, like Howard Shore, I have that in my notes and that name looks familiar. Where have I seen that name before? And he did, he also did the iconic score for Lord of the Rings. Oh, so, okay. So like, and it's so funny because I love both of them. I love the music in Silence yeah. of the Lambs. I love the music in Lord of the Rings. Right. Like Lord of the Rings is like, I put that on to like maladaptive daydream. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> it is just one of those, it's one of those those scores and and those this set of music that he created in for for the Lord of the Rings it's just it it just it's there's something so peaceful about it. The Shire music alone oh, yeah. like is just one of the most beautiful pieces of arrangements that I've ever See, seen. See, I'm glad that you're really good with names cuz I was like I'm looking at the notes I'm like okay. Well, sure. <laughs> it, do- it doesn't click in my head. I'm really bad with names. No, no, it's I, but I, I do. I love Howard Shore, and the, we talked about it. We got to see Silence of the Lambs in theaters back in 
20 was it 20 i think it was 2021 maybe 2021 yeah, yeah end of 2021 we saw silence of the lambs uh, turner classic movies did a showing at one of our local theaters and it was like part of the one of the best parts was hearing howard shore score coming through those Just speakers surrounding you. oh my yeah. god it was unreal yeah and the, the way everything builds like it's so well done like the scenes like one of my favorite scenes is uh the actress uh I forgive it's Casey or Cassie Lemons. I think it's Casey Lemons. She's on the phone and she drops it. She's booking it through the oh, hallway. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear Howard Shore just like, like this big build, like this fucking brass instrumental, just fucking again, crescendoing into this beautiful sound. And she's just booking it down the hallway to tell Clarice that Lecter escaped. Yeah. It's just one of my favorite fucking cinematic moments. I agree. It's yeah. it does. It's again, it's why we love the music. Yes. Yeah. And the music helps make it so much more impactful. Right. And obviously not every movie, you know, has the best score or it, it just doesn't quite fit. And there's something about all of those that, you know, we we said it again. If you take it away, it's not the same movie and it I always think it's kind of fun to think what would a scene be like with a different kind of sound? Like what if Danny Elfman did it? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great thing to think about. Like yeah. what if some of these composers did other movies, you know, like, like almost like a, a dream, like a fan fiction kind of like, if you could pick a composer, that's amazing. Yeah. That's going to be our next, like, what's your favorite mashup? Like, what would you do? I'm telling you, there's some great possibilities out there. Uh, two guys we got to give some love to. We uh, kind of mentioned them earlier a little bit. Uh, Stranger Things score, which is done by Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. Yes. Awesome. Like, obviously, the the soundtrack, you know, the songs that they picked give great 80s vibes. Right. But the score, everybody, I mean, that opening alone. The opening. Like, is... I was going to include this in badass theme songs, but yeah. their whole score deserves credit. It's it not is. just the theme song. Because... It's funny, I, I don't know what fucking thing I typed into Pandora for one of my playlists, and I'll listen to it at work, because instrumental helps me through the day, and, like, sometimes Stranger Things music will come on, and I'll be like, oh, this is, like, the sad one where they're, like, mourning Will, but he's not actually dead, he's in the upside Yes, down. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's so fucking sad sounding, but then there's just... Again, I know we keep saying the synthy goodness, but it is. We absolutely that's love That's what we appreciate. Synth wave, retro wave. That's all what of we that. appreciate about them. <laughs> yes. Is that what you appreciate about me? Let's but, take about 20, 25% <laughs> off it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Stranger Things, the music, the opening is iconic. It's it's always so exciting to turn on a new season, which, yeah. I mean, is going to be coming to an end eventually. And hearing that booming bassy i never skip intro on never. fucking stranger things episode that's one if you fucking reach for the remote listen if you reach for the remote during stranger things to skip that fucking opening we aren't friends yeah you don't skip that opening you get out you get out you get out now another one for me for tv that i also never skip the opening um is the greatness of uh, Haunting on Hill House and mm -hmm. Bly Manor. Mm -hmm. uh, the Newton brothers did music. They also worked with him for Dr. Sleep. Right. Yeah, they've worked with Mike Flanagan a few times. Yes. And every time, it's a great, great fucking combination. It is. The opening of Hill House, like you said, is one we we don't skip either. No, it's it's dark and sad, and mm -hmm. I just want to like cry to it sometimes. I mean, honestly, I've watched Hill House seven plus times. Yeah. Um, I will put it on in the background. Sometimes I have to stop because I will cry multiple times every time I watch it. But the music that yeah. they do, 
uh, there's a track that I love. I think it's called the beginning of the end that if I'm, if I've got headphones on and it plays, it gives me frisson. Like head to toe goosebumps. I will fucking cry. Yeah. It's, they are so good at making music that it can make me feel the same way over and over again yeah. without ever feeling like it's diminished. Oh, I, I agree. I think the, the one that stands out to me is the Screaming Mimi's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music in that really helped tell the story with what Liv was going through as yeah. she was, you know, hallucinating this, this flapper girl, mm-hmm. you know, character. So it was like, I, I thought that was just one of, that was another one of my favorites where just like the music felt like it was helping to guide you yeah. as they walked through the house that felt like the music was just kind of, again, like I said earlier, it's like, if you're on a magic carpet ride, it's like, this is your magic carpet. Yeah. This is what's getting you through. There. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last one we want to talk about here. It's a, it's a unique sound, one of the most unique scores and soundtracks we've ever heard. Only Lovers Left Alive. Yes. And we've talked about this one before. I think we talked about it with vampires. We fucking love mm-hmm. this movie. It's one of the most romantic movies ever made. Um, Ironically, I only found out about the movie after watching the first season of What We Do in the Shadows because Tilda Swinton, yeah. as the head of the Vampire Council, once I, I it all clicked into place that all of the other people on the council were vampires in other, other movies. Right. Uh, you've Danny got Trejo Wesley. From, yeah, yeah, you've got from, Danny from Trejo. From Dawn. And, and Rachel Wood from True Blood. And they Paul mentioned... Paul from Buffy. Right. Yeah, that's a great fucking call They mentioned people there. that don't show up. They're like, Tom Cruise? And she's like... Pah. It's like... Yeah, it's like, Kiefer? Kiefer's not here? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> it's... it's it's one of the best episodes yes absolutely and once that clicked i was like but who are some of these other people right and tilda swinton was the one that really yeah i agree that was the one that was like huh it was a head scratcher yeah because i was like i don't remember her being like she was a fucking ice queen but like i don't remember fucking vampires you fucking went narnia (laughs) yeah Straight dropping a fucking Narnia reference yeah, on our podcast, y'all. My homie y'all. this. Oh, um, but yeah, so I looked it up, and then amazingly, uh, the fucking majestically beautiful Tom Hiddleston is also a vampire. I almost in this said movie. Tom Holland. And Tom Holland, wrong. Um, no, they were in the Marvel movies together. They yeah. weren't in the vampire. Uh, a little sorry. different. Loki vampire though. Uh, oh yeah, Loki is a vampire. Yeah, but yeah, this back. one also has Anton Yelkin in it. Yes. Mia Wasikowska, great fucking movie. Yes. but the music. As we mentioned, very unique. Again, it's very sad. I like yeah. sad music. It's okay to be yeah. sad. If you just want to feel sad, watch this movie. It's got one of the most depressing scenes, honestly, in any recent movie that I've watched. Oh, yeah. Um, it's very heavy on mental health, but it's a vampire movie. Right. Well, and, and one thing that I really like is the international influence in it. Like, yes. the, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch, who's just a really fucking eclectic wild out there filmmaker he also had a cameo on mm-hmm. what we do in the shadows mm-hmm. strangely enough yeah but um and and you see like he's he's always had this very international flavor to his movies and uh the a part of the movie takes place in tangiers mm-hmm. and you get the act you get actual tan tangerian music yeah in the in the fucking like this very middle eastern kind of wild feel to this soundtrack that you would have never expected from a vampire movie no because uh, the way the cover is and like the, kind of the way it starts with him and like you can see like uh, Tom Hiddleston's character. He's very like moody rocker. He collects guitars and stuff. And I just didn't know it was going to go that way. But one of our favorite parts in this movie is actually a song that is on the soundtrack. Um, and it is, you know, performed by an artist. I think that's actually a, kind of a bit of a celebrity there. And it's fucking beautiful because 
I love it whenever you get to see proper culture representation in a movie. Yeah. It's not shitty and bastardized right. the way some and, people And from tend what to we've read it. and looked up and, and discovered, this is very this, this has been claimed as very authentic portrayal yeah. in this film. Because it's something that I mm-hmm. may have never seen. Oh, I, I, I don't. I, I can tell you, I would have never right. never experienced music I've, like this from I've this culture. I've never left yeah. the country, and yeah. so I'm, yeah, we I'm, are we are very simple people. Yeah, we it's are. Like, yeah, like uh, I we said, we don't go far. Yeah, that's um, why we're happy to reach so many people internationally right. it's like if you're hearing this in another country like give us a shout out because yeah. we'd love to know that we'd love to know our reach is is going yes. to all these different places but part of part of the reason that's that fascinates us is because of you know movies like this that mm-hmm. bring something to us that we would have never otherwise right. experienced they, exactly. they brought a piece of the world to us yes and in a beautiful way and a lot mm-hmm. of musical representation yeah and it's fascinating it and it's a sad cool vampire movie it's such a good movie i agree um, now, one thing you mentioned is uh, that these uh, movies are great to listen to in your spare time. Uh, one that we did want to give a shout out to that's not so fun to listen to in your spare time <laughs> is the Insidious score, uh, which is composed by Joseph Bashara. Yeah, who's like also the lipstick demon. Also the lipstick demon. Um, also was played a demon in Annabelle. Yeah, like, he he's plays just the a good. Demon in Annabelle, yeah. He's a good demonic he's composer. A, he is. It's not yeah. just tiptoe through the tulips with me with this guy. No. So no. it's. It's great because I love the score for the movie. Yes. Watching the movie, it's like one of those that if you fell asleep with the TV on and this like came on at two in the morning, it'd scare the shit out of you. It's going to wake you up. It would be the new like Celine Dion uh, fucking screaming at you commercial from the 90s. For just two low payments in 1999. (laughs) Exactly. Those commercials. Yes. I love that. But it's so perfect for the movie because it's a lot, a lot of sharp sharp strings a lot of plucking yeah plucking a lot of, a lot of plucking i feel like this was the turn where people were like hey that's a really good sound we should put it in every, every horror movie trailer movie. ever blumhouse that's blumhouse blumhouse, blumhouse did that we don't I, we don't hate him for no, it no i love i love jason blum i love yeah. blumhouse but he is responsible for all those fucking trailers with all those strings <laughs> and the plucking and shit yes so you know he's got to own up to it right but we just wanted to show like there's there's gonna be movie soundtracks that you're like and, and scores that you're like I want to listen to this even though it's really creepy or it makes me sad but it it's all in how the movie is and how the music is because exactly. I feel like if Insidious had a softer soundtrack it, w- it wouldn't be the same it just wouldn't be quite right no no, no. I 100% agree yeah it's it's definitely part of the the fear factor of Insidious. Now, our next segment, we want to hit some songs and like some soundtracks that we just really found cool <laughs> and we just kind of want to nerd out about a little bit. Yeah. So the first thing we want to point out is, why do vampire movies have the absolute best fucking soundtracks? Literally. Tell me a vampire movie with a bad soundtrack. I'll tell you you're fucking lying, because I got one on here that is a shit movie, but has an amazing soundtrack. Uh-huh. Uh, fucking Vampire Academy. Yeah. Like, I just want to get that out of the way because Let's it's like... Let's just get it out of the way. It's it's garbage. We it love it. We horrible fucking movie. I think movie. maybe own it. I don't know. Um, But it's, it's so fucking awful and shitty, but there's something about watching this and making fun of it and enjoying the music because you get the best fucking cover, in my opinion, of Bella Lugosi's Dead. Yeah, Bella Lugosi's Dead done by uh, Churches. Yeah. One of my favorite recent groups. They also did a cover of Cry Little Sister for some show on Netflix. I'm, I don't Well, that's I, interesting it, because it, The Lost Boys. Right. The right. Lost Boys is, is one of the big movies we wanted to talk about. I just wanted to get that shitty one out of the way real quick. <laughs> Another shitty one I want to get out of the way before we get on to our big with Lost Boys and shit. Just want to throw this out there because it's not in our notes. 
Twilight. Twilight actually I has mean, a dope fucking soundtrack. Literally. Okay, so I'll I was... I'll fucking fight people on that one. I was an interview with a vampire girl, so I didn't really turn into a Twilight girl. No. I'm just saying. We're no. we're a little different. It's, I wasn't, it's okay. I, just between us girls? I, I was not a Twilight girl either. No, I for mean, sure. For sure. You know, yeah. I think I've only watched the first movie with Rift Tracks, but yes, I agree. The music for all of those movies are amazing. I mean, you get In Muse, the, you get... Uh, Iron and Wine. Right. Uh, fucking, uh, there's a, there's a fucking, whatever the another, fucking, there's sad another guy on there is. that I fucking had his name in my head and I just lost <laughs> it, but he's one of those like, like folky kind of singers and right. shit. But yeah, you have like a great fucking soundtrack for Twilight too. So mm-hmm. just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Vampire Academy, Twilight, two examples of shitty vampire movies, but dope fucking soundtracks, man. Right. Vampire movies always bring the heat and the smoke and all the other fucking analogies when it comes to fucking they soundtracks. Do. And it's interesting because I know a lot of the music from Twilight, even though I've only seen that one movie. And I know yeah. that there, it's, yeah, it's a phenomenon. And there's a lot Bonavere. of people that love that it. That was the name I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> That's the name I couldn't think of. Thank God Bonavere. you got that, that out, Stevie. That would have fucking been like holding a sneeze. We would have been at the <laughs> end of the movie. He'd be like, Bonavere. Bonavere. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. That right. was my Tourette's for the day. But yes, uh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys is the um, one that we got to talk about. Arguably the the best, best. vampire Hands music down. movie ever. And Cry Little Sister. Cry Little, Little Sister. Sister. Come on. Oh, I love that song. But, but there's a certain hot, buff, sweaty, oiled up motherfucker with a saxophone playing I Still Believe. Fucking Tim Capello. That, I mean, it wouldn't be the Lost Boys without that part. It wouldn't be. And he's only on screen for like maybe two minutes the and whole he, fucking and, movie. And but everybody he steals loves the fucking him. Show. Yeah, everybody loves him. He takes a saxophone to cons and shit. Like he's fucking awesome. He seems like a genuinely good dude. Yeah, like, he's definitely I rad. love listening to him talk about his experiences and yes. movies and music and everything. And I'm glad to, he got to give us a bunch of hip thrusts at a weird oh, little man. music show on While the beach. While Jason Patrick of Santa made Carla. eyes at Star. Yeah, he, I don't see. He barely even made eyes. He was just fucking staring <laughs> her down. <laughs> it, it's it's such a good movie. And then you have uh, Lost in the Shadows, which is one of our favorites. When they're fucking racing the bikes and shit on the beach, oh, like that shit's so fucking amazing. And it, uh, is the lead singer a foreigner? Lou Graham does the song, and it just feels like a fucking foreigner song. It does. It really Very does. Much like so. I fucking I adore it. Now, interview with the vampire. Obviously, yeah. a very pretty score. It's kind of, you know, period classically music true, that you true. get. Um, but you get Guns N' Roses at as end, well. At the end of the fucking movie, yes. when he attacks Christian Slater in the car, he yep. puts on the radio and what's playing, it's fucking Guns N' Roses cover of a great Rolling Stone song called Sympathy for the Devil. Mm-hmm. And it's it's as great. It's almost like it's told from the perspective of Satan. It's great right. fucking great track. It's a perfect Lestat song it, to turn on the radio. 100%. And it's Guns N' Roses fucking doing doing the cover yeah like i i absolutely adore everything about it um we're gonna talk about one of your favorites <laughs> okay though. okay it, this cause changed because we, we're, the... we're talking about interview with the vampire we right. gotta talk about the other lestat movie yes queen so, of the damned queen of the damned uh forever changed the trajectory of my life um it i've seen people call this movie a fever dream i know a lot of people are like oh it's a shit adaptation of the book but it's fucking it's a great movie but Hands down, one of the most fun movies I've ever seen. It's, I adore this movie. It's not the highest rated, but it's got some of... The score is good. I will... 
that aside, but obviously, uh, if you've been living under a fucking rock, Jonathan Davis did all the fucking music that Lestat's, the Vampire Lestat band plays. Yeah. So, and of course, Jonathan Davis, the lead singer of Korn. I yes. assume everybody knows that, but I just want to make sure I that we, we explain hope that. so. He's not the goddamn Teletubby. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the goddamn Teletubby. But, wow. But A, he, he, gets a cam- <laughs> he gets a cameo in the movie. He does. But it's also really cool Scalping seeing- tickets. Uh, yeah, scalp. I love that. As someone who's bought tickets off of scalpers, that's, it's fucking, that's it. It's hilarious. But you get um, Stuart Townsend, mm-hmm. who- has to sing and line up basically with the fucking music mm-hmm. so yeah he did have to like learn it to be able to properly sing it in the the proper of beat. course yeah because i do give Stuart townsend credit or the editing department whomever fuck yeah they, they, they did a great job syncing it up because yeah. you would never know it's not Stuart townsend and for some reason it works it does. i don't know i don't know how jonathan davis's voice coming out of him but it, the way he looks in that movie, it does work. I do want to point out, I'm still bummed that we don't have an official release of Jonathan Davis's versions of Me the too. songs. We have his live, I think it was called Alone I Play. Yeah, uh, and they're beautiful. Live, they're, and they're beautiful they're, sounding, yeah. but I want that Man, heavy shit. I want that, I want that fucking, I want his versions. Because the ones that got released were the covers by you know David Draymond, right. Chester Bennington, Wayne Static, but Jay Gordon. There are a few that you can get because if you remember, or if you ever did this, on like one of the bonuses on the DVD, there were like the uh, music videos that you see Are you in the movie. Are you talking about ripping DVDs? Wow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> if you're a millennial, listen to this. Which, according to Anchor, most of you are. Right. You probably remember ripping and burning. Those two. A- those two verbs. Ripping and burning. I'm not going to explain what it is generation. because if you're listening, and you don't know what ripping and burning is. Go look it up. Go look up Nero. <laughs> look that shit, shit up, dog. Uh, fucking LimeWire. But Queen of the Damned too is. I love the fact that you have Jonathan Davis doing the music, but then, like you said, for the the physical soundtrack release, yeah. you had all these other artists come in and cover the songs that Jonathan Davis wrote for the vampire list. It's wild. It yeah. is. It's a wild trip. But yeah, yeah, that was uh that was a beautiful beautiful soundtrack done by Jonathan Davis for a, a really fun fucking movie. It is. Uh last one we want to hit on vampire movies, Fright Night, the theme song by Jay Giles band. Fright Night for obviously Fright it's Night. So it's so <laughs> yeah. it's so cool. So cheesy. Perfect 80s feel to it. Good 80s. I madness. I love it and it's yeah. it's just it adds to the fun nature of the movie. Right. Fright the, Night is such a blast. The soundtrack of Fright Night alone is a delight. I love Fright Night 2. The music is also similar vibes, probably done by the same same guy. Probably yeah, a lot of similar uh, but stuff. But yeah, that here. that Fright Night theme yeah. is just Fright so Night. fun. It's it, so good. It feels like you would hear at the end of a show on like a late Saturday Agreed. horror host Agreed. show. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now there are some non-vampire movies that had some dope music, music musicality to musicality. it. So we'll talk about those two. First one we got to hit real quick. The Craft had an yeah. amazing version of How Soon Is Now. It's originally done by the Smiths, mm-hmm. but fun story: the Craft, the version that appears in the Craft and later went on to become the theme song to the show Charmed mm-hmm. is by a band called Love Spit Love, mm-hmm. which is an offshoot of the Psychedelic Furs, another popular 80s band that played along yep. with the Smiths. So there's a great like... It's it, a little it, loop, a little circle right, of life It comes kind of full there circle somewhere. there because it's another, it's basically another 80s new wave kind of band similar to the yeah. Smiths doing it in a different version, updating it, 
And it just fit the vibe of the craft and charm so fucking much. It does. Very much so. It's a witchy song. It feels very witchy. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And I've always loved, his name escapes me, but the lead singer of the Psychedelic Furs has always had, I love his voice. Yeah. Because when you listen to songs like Pretty in Pink and Love My Way, like some of their bigger hits, oh, his voice is just so, just, like we talk about softness, Mm -hmm. he's a very soft, soothing voice. Like that dude could put me to sleep. Very (laughs) chill voice. I understand that. Yeah. Next one we got to talk about, Scream and that fucking use of the way they use red, red right hand. Right hand. Red with that right bell. hand. Yeah, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, yep. I'm pretty yep. sure that they've worked this song into every single Scream movie. Every one so, of them so uh, far. Better be playing on the subway or some shit in the sixth one, or Has we're to gonna be. fight. Yeah, yeah. If it's not in the sixth one, it's not gonna feel right. Yeah. But yeah, Red Right Hand is one of those songs. Immediately, as soon as it comes on, I fucking I used to think of Hellboy because Red Right Hand, yep, and it was used in a lot of the promotion for Hellboy. Mm-hmm. But man, it's like you go back and watch Scream, and you're like, it it's Scream's song. It is. It is Scream's song. It really is. I think of Sydney and fucking Gale and Dewey, and it, it just it can't help. Yep. Uh, gotta talk about the Crow soundtrack. I love this soundtrack. We Recent. bought it. We-, on, <laughs> we just bought it on vinyl. That's yes. how much we love this soundtrack. Yes. We don't own a ton of vinyl. Nine Inch Nails and The Cure alone. Right. I mean, obviously, the whole, all of it's fucking yeah. magical. You yeah. even get uh, a little guitar bit played by Brandon Lee in the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's kind of rock starry in the movie, even though we don't get to see too much yeah. of him in his day-to-day life because he dies in the beginning of the movie. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> but yeah, the, the music, the it adds to the griminess of the I think the Stone city. Temple Pilots was on the soundtrack as well. Yes. It was a, it was yes. a very good 90s hard rock. Um, kind of fusing. Like you had industrial, like with Nine Inch Nails. You had this, you the, the, the cure, industrial, like you mentioned. Industrial, goth. Yeah, goth. Metal, kinda emo, yeah. emo, kind of like Grunge, new wave. Yeah, it's... But Pantera was even on it. So you had somehow, a little heavy metal. Right. It was like, it was weird, yeah. But somehow it all works it together because some fit. of it you know you've got scenes like in the like the bar and club and stuff um fire it up, fire <laughs> right it up. and obviously there's different music in the bar as opposed to oh this sad dreary street view with the, the yeah. nine inch nail song playing, i love the nine inch nail song it's, it's iconic for even though those songs have they weren't made for the movie but they just work so fucking they really perfectly do. It, it was it. yeah it's it's one of the best soundtracks that's out there. Yeah. Uh, one thing we got to talk about. We've talked about this on the show before, but the 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 scene in House of a Thousand Corpses, <laughs> where Otis shoots uh, Walton Goggins' character, the the cop, mm-hmm. in the it's it's the it's like I the, remember you. The forty second fucking pause when the song right. ends. But yes, right. it's, the song is, is I remember you. Rob Zombie does that I love, and yeah. probably all of his movies where. He has a song that's playing over something really fucking crazy that's happening. It doesn't work for the scene, but it works for the scene. Right. Because that this is, it's one of those moments where shit goes south. Like, the cops have found them out. Uh, the cops fuck up, basically. And the Firefly fam- family is ready for them. Yes. <laughs> and you don't hear what anyone's saying, but you see all this shit happening. And it's just this happy little fucking country vibe. I don't know what kind of genre i would say this song it's, is. it's very early country it yeah. feels very okay, like yeah. loretta lynn early dolly parton type stuff yes uh, i forget the artist's name but the song is called i remember you and what am i i have a theory about this song i don't think we would have got this scene if rob zombie didn't have to whittle down the rating 
I firmly believe, because if you think about, like, because we've looked it up, what Otis says to Walton Goggins' oh, yeah. character. Because you see him mouth it. It's very graphic. But, and like, it's if very, you it's read very... the screenplay for the movie. Right. Read the screenplay. We have. Yeah. That's how much we love this fucking movie. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, read the screenplay. It's very graphic. And it's yeah. very, it's, it's, it's fucked up what he says right. to Walton Goggins' character. Well, you also get even, not just that, but when the song starts is when the the cop and the the father who's looking right, for his right. daughter Denise's dad yeah Denise's dad uh-huh. open up the barn cuz they hear something right and that's when the song starts and obviously what it would be would be a definitely one or more women screaming for their lives exactly I, in and a I'm very sh- graphic bloody scene that is the the horror barn as right. i would and call it we only get quick glimpses of it but obviously yeah. these women have endured a lot of trauma and torture assault and everything up to this point so again my my theory is that rob zombie put that fucking nice soft happy music over it just to get the rating down and cover up some of the shit the way it had to be edited to get an r rating i would i would put my money on that i would love to get a confirmation (laughs) i will fucking put money on that that that's the only reason why rob zombie did that but it works and i'm not complaining no i'm I'm saying that it's funny that it happened and it worked out that way Mm -hmm. because i don't know i would enjoy the movie as much if it were more graphic right if it were if it did cross those lines Mm -hmm. because obviously there's a lot of things we've talked about this privately but i don't think we've ever really gone to this in depth in the show but there's a lot in the movie that is implied but never shown. And mm-hmm. we like it that way. Yeah. Whereas with in A Devil's Rejects, there's a lot of implication, but there is a scene it's, where there's too yeah. much shown for our taste. And yeah. honestly, even the people who worked in the movie um, were like, this was hard to fucking do. Right. And I feel like that would have been a scene that if it had some happy music and a cutaway, we probably would have been like, well... Things are unfortunately happening. Right. But yeah, there there is a lot of implied but not going so far in House of a Thousand Corpses. And I think the the scene is a big part is yeah. a big big emphasis on I'm with that you. too. I, I think agree that's a there. big example. Uh gotta talk about Pet Cemetery and that fucking theme song by the Ramones. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I fucking I it's it's such a bop. It is a bop. Yeah. And I love it when horror movies do this. I honestly wish more would do this. Yeah. Like, I feel like we don't get as much as we used to. Um, and it needs to make a comeback. It does need to make a comeback. I love the story of how this came about, though, which uh, one of the Ramones was friends with Stephen King. And it, it just they wanted to work together so badly. So this was this is the opportunity that when they when they cashed in on that. So yeah. I just think that's so cool that they were like so tight. That, it is. Because you think about the Ramones, like they're above doing a movie soundtrack. But no, they're tight with Stephen King. Right. They wanted to do a soundtrack for, for yeah. one of his movies. Like I think it, most artists would be like, um, yeah, yeah Stephen King. Yes, yeah, sir. That's so cool. I, th- I love that. It's just kind of a bro thing, the reason they're on it. Because I would have never now, thought that they would have done that song. But now we have this fun little happy fucking song about the pet cemetery exactly. and i love it exactly. it's fucking great yes another one that it's not necessarily a specific but it's something that i feel like i kind of noticed a lot in the early 2000s is that we had a lot of really good uh curated soundtracks and mm-hmm. saul was one of those that we got some of like the best collections of cool heavy metal music in a soundtrack mm-hmm. charlie clauser aside from his cool fucking music 
And it's just one of those, I don't know why it sticks in my head. Well, I remember we got one of them. It was Mudvayne, Forget to Remember, which is actually one mm-hmm. of my favorite Mudvayne songs. I fucking, I really dig that track. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, there's actually some really good, there was actually some really good music right. to some of those early soundtracks. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. You, you had, it's funny. Cause looking back, I think Avenged Sevenfold mm-hmm. did one of the, did a song on one of the soundtracks. I want to say maybe even fucking Seven Dust. I know Saliva did a song like. Some of those bands that I really dug, like those new, like those new metal bands, I they were on there. Yes, and I just totally realized I don't know how the fuck we spaced this, but with vampires, this also goes into the fact that Underworld had some of the coolest fucking soundtracks. Oh yeah, we do got to give some love for Underworld. Yeah, I know it's so it's it's on the vampire movie list there. Yeah, Uh, but we got some really cool like remixes and shit in the first movie. There was even like a cover of like or not a cover, a remix of a Hawthorne Heights song, if I remember that was absolutely fucking bananas yes. and sounded Lipnot amazing was on one of the soundtracks too yeah it was like yeah that was a good one there was yeah. some there was some really heavy shit kind of like the resident evil soundtracks mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of those good like we were talking about with the saw soundtracks a lot of good new metal bands like yeah. there were those new metal soundtracks that were just everywhere because of roadrunner records yeah but then like moody records. shit like a perfect circle was included in there yes too. a perfect yeah. circle yeah that was they were on a lot of the resident evil shit they had the yes yes, yes. i remember absolutely. that for sure yeah. which i mean resident evil it had a lot of good they had some good music yeah yeah it's like so when yeah it's funny you were talking about saw and i think it got us thinking about some of those other new metal-y kind of soundtracks like underworld and resident evil yeah and all that shit yeah that was that shit was everywhere though it was like even even like non-horror movies like i remember the a lot of the marvel movies like daredevil and fantastic four had very mm-hmm. similar soundtracks it was it's 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 fucking crazy to think yeah. about but yeah it's like that was a big theme that and then, and then it just kind of went away well and it's i don't know if it's necessarily it went away i feel like it's just there's not as big of a deal about like album releases the way it That's used to fair. be like it's like oh you can stream it two thursdays from now yeah and it's like i mean we kind of made a big deal about going to the store and like getting a cool limited edition we're all about physical media collecting and stuff but yep. um, we eat that shit up yeah, I think it's just, it's a little bit different how they make movies. It's not so in your face with the music. Yeah. It's usually, it's like, it's in the background and it's there. Well, and another thing we didn't have in our notes that I think we should probably give a shout out to as well is, because uh, we got so excited when fucking Ghost did Hunter's Moon for Halloween Kills. Yeah, absolutely. It was so fucking like, because like, that was like the first time in how long right. that we got like an artist was like, the theme song performed by Ghost, and you're like, holy Bingo. shit, this yeah, is cool. Like, and I think it had like its own single release and stuff for it too. Yeah. But, uh, and it, I honestly, I knew who Ghost was. I'd seen their shit, yeah. but I didn't really get into them yeah. the way I am currently obsessed. Yeah, until... you and I, you and I will admit that we were, <laughs> yeah. we we were aware of Ghost, but we weren't yeah. fans until Hunter's Moon came out. Yeah, I was and just like, like that totally won us over, and then we just like did a deep dive into their whole discography. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, well, it's it was like I would see their imagery, and obviously I'm all about that. And I was just like, their shit always looks so cool, but they just, I don't know. I just thought that they were a different type of music, which is interesting because I've seen so many people be like, oh, people think Ghost is like this evil shit. And then they're like happy boppy. I mean, they're evil, all over but the it's place. just, it's, a, it's like, it's still very happy, cool, you know, yeah. kind of enjoyable music to exactly. listen to. I fucking love Ghost. They are. Papa they're Emeritus awesome. all the way, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the, like, uh, some of these curated soundtracks we're going to get to freddy versus jason but while we're on the subject of freddy versus jason we got to mention how back in the 80s uh friday <laughs> the 13th part six jason lives mm-hmm. alice cooper did the theme song for 
a Jason movie. It's yeah. called He's Back, The yep. Man Behind the Mask. And it's the man behind oh my God. the mask. It's yeah. so fucking great. It's I love it. cheesy 80s goodness, man. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I love Friday the 13th. It's one of my favorite horror franchises because it's just, it, it just got more absurd and more bananas the longer it went on. Yeah. And part of it is it got a fucking Alice Cooper song. Right. Like exactly. what fucking other movie do you know in the 80s? I got an Alice Cooper fucking song. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. He's kind of a, he's such a fun seeming fucking dude. Alice Cooper. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I, I love Alice Cooper. And I feel like this is the most 80s thing you could say. It's like, hey, there's a Friday the 13th. Um, it's the sixth one, fucking, and yeah. you get an Alice Cooper song. Yeah. I That's fucking cool as hell to I, me. I agree. I agree. But yes, that does bring us to Freddy versus Jason, which we kind of touched upon it last week mm-hmm. in the decade of horror, the 2000s. Just fucking Freddy versus Jason was one of those curated soundtracks that I absolutely love. Yeah. Fucking bands like You'll Never Hear Again, like Il Nino <laughs> and Spine Shank. Right. Like, you'll fucking, you just, you don't see those names anymore. No. Not the way they used to be, yeah. No, no. But Il Nino did a great song. It was the music video. Even had Freddy and Jason oh, in it. Oh, God, it was, yeah. It was so awesome. I fucking, go back and, like, go YouTube that. Like, go watch the video for How Can I Live by Il I Nino. I love how much Freddy and Jason have been in pop culture because obviously freddie yeah robert everywhere, england was all just the like time. fucking put me on mtv he every like, hour i don't right. give a shit he's like in pizza hut commercials or some shit and yeah then yeah. you get the, the when freddie and jason came out like it was just this huge fucking excitement like it was it was like horror fans it was like a batman movie or like a fucking it was like <laughs> yeah. a marvel movie for horror fans because <laughs> right. we got freddie versus jason freddie versus like, jason was our infinity war and you gotta remember it like had been 10 years since they fucking teased it yeah in fucking uh jason goes to hell uh friday the 13th part nine when fucking freddie reaches up and grabs the glove like, right it took them 10 years to get their fucking shit together yeah and make this fucking movie but we got it we finally got it and we got a dope soundtrack yes. slipknot was on it seether was on it i loved it i thought it was a great one now something i wanted to mention because we're talking about how there's a lot of music trends that they used to do that i wish that they would keep doing and there's a remix that came out when uh they when jordan peele released nope I'm sorry, not nope, us. And it's the I Got Five on it tethered remix, which you hear in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that they were actually going to release it for me to hear because I remember when we went to see us. And obviously there's the part earlier in the movie where it comes on in the radio and you get him going, it's a classic. classic. But there's the Is fight. Is this about drugs? <laughs> but there's the fight later where it starts to play oh, red and adelaide and, yeah yes. at the end of the, yeah and then yeah. it goes in all like symphonic vroom, vroom. and it just sounds vroom, so cool vroom. and i feel like yeah. that's one of those that i kept hearing everywhere and it made me more and more and more excited for the movie because i didn't see shit for it like yeah. i i was avoiding everything because i didn't want anything to be spoiled because i'm like you know after seeing you know get out i'm like us is going to be fucking bonkers. Oh, yeah. I don't want anything spoiled for yeah. me, but I heard that song everywhere. Oh, yeah. I, I will say I have a theory about this song too, because get her, this came out in 2019. So just not too long ago, just a few mm-hmm. years ago. Right. And by that point, every fucking movie, every movie had like a trailer and they still do mm-hmm. where they have a slowed down version of a pop song. 
Yeah. Like, I think the fucking uh, Fifty Shades movie had a Beyonce song that they slowed down, right? Yeah. And that's just like, I'm just that's just one example that every fucking movie trailer had a slowed down version of a really popular mm-hmm. song. No, so yeah. my theory is that Jordan Peele looked at these movies and said, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> and he said, I can prove how stupid it is. I'm going to take the one song that you would never think anybody could fucking make a movie trailer song out of, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. And he fucking took, I got five on it. Right. Literally a song about fucking drugs mm-hmm. by Lunas, who yeah. didn't have any, who's a one-hit wonder, didn't have any other fucking songs. And he's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it the <laughs> fucking song for us. And it works. It does. It works as, so well. As you see with Jordan Peele, the way he does Key and Peele and all mm-hmm. his movies, he will fucking, he'll, it'll, he'll, it'll be satirical. Right. But it'll be very intelligent. And exactly. that's why my theory is that I think he did that as a way to say, you guys look fucking stupid but I'm going to make it look cool because <laughs> that's what he does. And he did. And honestly, all of his movies, the music's been fucking delightful. Yeah. I said, nope. Cause I was sitting there thinking about this. Is why I'm not allowed to think about two things at once, <laughs> but I was thinking about the music that you hear in like Jupiter's claim and shit. Right. And it's just, it's very different, obviously. And Extremely. so much fun, but I got five on it. That tether remix is something I love randomly. I just pull up on Apple music and I'm like, I want to listen to this it's again. So good. It's so good. They also like, one thing we have in our notes is uh, the scene where the, their friends get killed. Uh, played by Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss. Yes, and they and, get their smart home speaker, uh, Alexa ripoff, basically, to try to call the police. Yes. Yeah, they, and, and instead of calling the police, it plays Fuck the Police by yes. N.W.A. So Fuck these yeah. people are getting murdered by their doppelgangers while Fuck the Police by N.W.A. plays yeah. on their uh, loudspeakers. I think it's a brilliant fucking use so of that song. It's so fucking cool. It's it also so shows how bullshitty, because... Besides home, like, smart devices, I remember when Fandango first started, you had to call them to get showtimes. Holy shit. And you're sitting there on the phone trying to say, showtimes for, and it's like, did you say? And you're like, fucking, fuck it's you. It's like movie phone. Remember yes, movie phone? Yeah, absolutely. You called movie phone. <laughs> oh, God, God, I remember that we shit. We are aging ourselves. We are fucking old. But it's always been problematic. Always. Always. Yeah, we're pretty fucking old, and uh, to prove how old we are, I'm going to quote a famous musician here, Don McLean, and uh, the day the music died, because the music's dying, the show's over, this is the the end of the episode, <laughs> we've, we've we've talked ourselves out, so. Yeah, we kind of have. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot, it was fun. There was, it was, it was a great episode, yeah. and uh, yeah, we're just, we're really old, and we, we don't have much left in us, as we just <laughs> talked about, so uh, yeah, t- clock is ticking on us, yeah, yeah we're on maybe. borrowed time, but a little bit. yeah. We're old fuckers. And on that note, guys, thank you for joining us. Sorry the music has to die. But on that note, we'll leave you with this. Can't rain all the time. Eric? Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every weekend. Follow us on TikTok at HorrorzoidPod and send emails to HorrorzoidPod at gmail.com with your thoughts, questions, and stories for us to read on a future episode. To all our Zoids out there, stay scary. 